Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business and Vancouver Newspaper and BIV.com. Now, Black Friday, it's coming up at the end of this week, and it's not something Canadians paid too much attention to until, I think, just a few short years ago. It's always been Boxing Day, at least for me and my family, but in a bid to maybe stop some Canadians from doing some cross-border shopping, I think we've noticed that domestic retailers have been stepping it up in the last few years. With us to dive into the influence of Black Friday, as well as discuss all the big news going on in retail, it is Craig Patterson, Editor-in-Chief at RetailInsider.com. He's also the host of Retail Insider's brand new podcast. Craig, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me back. Okay, so let me ask you this. This is a question I think that we've been going back and forth on over the last few years, but is Black Friday in a position to be overtaking Boxing Day as maybe that top shopping day for Canadians? You know, I'm hearing mixed things. Um, some are saying yes, absolutely. It's uh, an American phenomenon that's been adopted by Canadians. Uh, but I've also seen some predictions saying that Boxing Day will still be uh, um, a bit larger in terms of spending. So I think it kind of remains to be seen. Uh, Black Friday was growing like crazy in terms of uh, you know adoption year over year, but it started to slow down a little bit, I would say, over the past two years. And, you know, Boxing Day certainly is a time that retailers are offering deals. So uh, it might actually be 50-50. I'm kind of curious to see how it's all going to play out. We'll find out sometime after December 26th. Yeah, well, I was just racking my brain. I I remember the first time I ever wrote a Black Friday story for a newspaper. This is, I think, uh, must have been like eight or nine years ago. And I think what was going on then is the Canadian dollar had been going up and up. And uh, there's a lot of cross-border shopping concerns, you know. Has this phenomenon really been able to kind of take hold in a way, even though the Canadian dollar has sunk quite a bit over the last decade? Well, less Canadians are going over the border. I was looking at a few things like a Retail Council Canada shopping center study, um, general reports that some of these border towns on the United States side are struggling. Uh, Canadians are shopping less. The Canadian dollar is uh, low right now compared to the U.S. dollar. So that what that means is that there's less of, I guess you'd say, a bargain of shopping in the United States. Uh, keep in mind as well, um, years ago, Canadians used to go to the United States because we didn't have, I guess you'd say, nearly as good of shopping or nearly the same bargains. But now we've got outlet shopping centers. We've got, uh, you know, e-commerce, online shopping, which, uh, you know, can cross borders. Uh, it's a lot easier to shop at home these days as Canadians and to actually get really great bargains, I would say, than compared to a decade ago. Yeah, I, I just remember growing up in the 1990s, uh, I'd go with the family over the border, they, they'd find a lot of great deals. And then I, I now that I'm an adult, I look at what the options are when I'm down in Seattle or say Bellingham. And I, I find that the prices are, are quite comparable, but the Canadian dollar is still worth what, like 75 cents right now. So I'm like, huh, I, I don't really think I'm getting any deals the same way that people had access to maybe 20 years ago if they did some cross border shopping. Definitely. I think things have really changed. Also, you know, it's not like everyone's being harassed at the border, but I think there is that little concern that, you know, it may be challenging that there might be issues. I mean, again, there's been bad press and, uh, you know, people, I think by the human nature, try to avoid, um, how would it, you know, conflict. And if that's ever a concern, you know, people are just going to say, well, I'm not even going to bother with having to go over the border, be it the lineup or, you know, be it questions being, having your car checked. I've had this happen once myself, actually. And, uh, uh, blame Washington. I have no idea why they found nothing concerning. But, <laughs> you know, these are just things that, you know, when we talk about this shopping experience, generally, you want it to be seamless and you want consumers to be able to get what they want when they want it and how they want it. And the last thing you want is to be stopped at the border and, you know, 
be harassed, essentially. So uh, I think that that's an issue as well. Yeah, I think I had to pop my trunk when I was in Blaine, Washington, as well. I've got the I've got the Nexus card now. Uh, that that's just beauty uh, to have. But uh, the other thing I'm curious about, though, is like so Black Friday. It's coming up at the end of the week, and it makes sense for Americans. It's, it's kind of a holiday. It's right after Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, what's your take? Are, are Canadians actually going to I don't know take an extra long lunch hour and, and see if they can shop on? The middle of a, a work day or do you think it's mostly just going to be a lot of online shopping looking for deals that way i mean a lot of people i think are going to be shopping online um there will be people though playing hooky from work there's no question that that happens because if you look at the number of people uh, uh you know who that are shopping on black friday i mean i would assume many of them are employed and, and are <laughs> not necessarily at their jobs at that uh, that time, or they're shopping yep. beforehand. Some stores will open quite early, so uh, <laughs> I, I, you know some employers may question where their employees are. I mean, I think they'll know the answer if they're calling in sick on uh, on Friday of this week. Well, it's just interesting because I think you and I talked about it maybe last year about how some stores, I think down in the U.S., maybe here in Canada too, but I think it was mostly the U.S. They wanted to stay closed. They were announcing they're actually going to not open their doors on Friday. They wanted people to think about Thanksgiving and being with their families instead. Do you think that this is, despite the fact that, you know, this is like the biggest shopping day in the United States, there's a lot of pressure on retailers, you know, when they still have like a month ahead of them to go ahead and get a lot of these sales in before the holidays? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Some of these retailers that a principal would close on Black Friday, I'm not sure if that's a great idea. The only reason I say that is because, uh, you know, retail is quite competitive and, you know, some retailers don't actually experience profitability until this holiday season. Uh, They essentially lose money throughout the years. So it almost seems like a bit of a competitive disadvantage to to not be... uh, uh, part of Black Friday and to lose those sales. I mean, there's going to be benefits on both sides, I'm sure. And you know, some consumers may say, oh, this was wonderful that they did that. We'll shop with them later. But again, you know, consumers really do want, uh, um, you know, bargains and they want to get what they want when they want it. I mean, we're kind of in a, you know, a generation where people are, uh, you know, expecting what they want, right? So, so it, it may not be the best thing for retailers to shut on Black Friday. Uh, I don't know. I think that that's going to be, uh, you know, some lost sales. And some retailers can't afford that at this point. Yeah. Uh, so the other curious thing, though, is that we do have an American retailer or a, uh, an American brand that will be seizing on Black Friday up here in Canada to kind of relaunch some products in this country. Tell me a little bit about Aeropostale's plans to reenter the Canadian market. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, so Aeropostale, the American division, went bankrupt in 2016, and all of the Canadian stores closed as a result. There were 41 of them, I believe. So um, Aeropostale has decided to come back into Canada. So uh, it's a partnership with YM Group, which owns Blue Notes. And so what they're going to do for Black Friday is they're going to come in as pop-ups to start Uh uh, which, you know, you'll be able to buy Aeropostale, you know, clothing in Canada again. But that's, you know, a bit of a smaller story. Um, in 2020, they plan on actually uh, opening 20 to 30 standalone Aeropostale stores in Canada. So in other words, this brand is coming back fast and furious into Canada. Um, you know, it's kind of using Black Friday as an anchor, uh, you know, with a partner retailer, which will, it's, which is owned by the same parent company in Canada. That's why they're doing this, because Blue Notes is part of YM Group, and so will uh, Aeropostale Canada be part of that same group. So, it's a bit of a strategic partnership with a pop-up. Uh, 
basically get the brand into Canada quickly to introduce it, reintroduce it to consumers, and then you know the full size stores are uh, on the way as well. So it's, it's quite exciting and quite uh, aggressive. <laughs> yeah, well, forgive my ignorance because from what I recall, though, is that the U.S. parent company ended up filing for bankruptcy protection back in 2016. I don't know. Any thoughts about why Aeropostal has kind of designs on Canada? What? Why does this company think that it could have some success here in this uh, country? It's a good question because there's a lot of competition right now. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to to, to badmouth anyone. I'm just not sure if I would have entered Canada at this point. It's a challenging time uh, for retailers, especially at that price point. It, you know, it's it's not expensive. I mean, it's not the cheapest brand, but you know, it's certainly not a luxury brand. So. Um, you know, there are a lot of apparel retailers out there. We've seen a lot come in since that time. You know, Uniqlo has expanded quite significantly, for example. Um, other retailers that are, say, you know, Canadian have also been beefing up their own operations. So um, it's a competitive time, but clearly they have a game plan. They think that they're going to be successful. I mean, I don't think that they would be doing this unless they figured there would be, you know, uh, an element or, you know, or great success, I guess you would say. But um I don't know. I, I would have hesitated if I was them at this point and just see how the market's going to play out because I think we're going to see a few more bankruptcies, unfortunately, in homegrown retailers as well as major chains that operate in Canada. Well, and just for those who don't recall, like, what do you think the, the best comparison is for uh, with regards to other retailers? Is it kind of like an Old Navy, kind of like a Gap, or, or is it a little bit different? I think I'd put it more in the Gap category, kind of the American Eagle uh, you know, again, not sort of, sort of a mid-price, a lower to mid-price. And I'll have to admit, I mean, I guess I'm partly responsible for its challenges. I wasn't really an Aeropostel customer <laughs> when the chain was in Canada. Um, I think I had a pair of pants from the brand, uh, which actually were quite nice, if I recall. So um, actually, I'll, I can't wait. I'll shop the brand myself when it opens its stores or when it comes into Blue Notes. But, uh, um, you know, I think, you know, kind of a casual fashion brand with some nice items, uh, you know, reasonably priced items uh, uh, is where it is. It's, it's landing in an area where there are a lot of other retailers with similar price points and products. And I, I guess I brought up the Gap, though, because hasn't the Gap been struggling? The uh, Old Navy as well, it's all the same parent company, right? Yes, I mean, they've kind of separated. Uh, you know, the Gap and Banana Republic have certainly not been doing as well as Old Navy. Uh, Old Navy is actually seeing pretty decent success in Canada. It's just opened its 100th store. Um, you know, more to come. Uh, you know, that brand has actually found fairly reasonable success, I would say, both in Canada and the United States, despite some challenges. Uh, the Gap, I think, has been a bit of a different story. I think it lost its way years ago. And, um, you know, the brand kind of lost relevance, especially as other competitors, uh, you know, came to be, I guess you would say, be it in the United States or Canada. So, that's right. There's a lot of competition in that, uh, you know, apparel area, uh, you know, and then sort of that casual, uh, uh, you know, value to mid-price range. Well, one final thing that I, I found interesting in the story that you guys have up on Retail Insider, though, is that uh, I guess Canada is going to be getting its own kind of limited editions of the clothing, or, or how exactly is that going to work up here with regards to the offerings that Aeropostel is going to have? Yeah, and that's actually pretty common now, I find. Uh, often, if companies are making an entry uh, or are, you know, trying to make a splash, they'll actually create exclusives. Uh, it's very common. I mean, Michael Kors just opened in Montreal last week, and they had, you know, product only for the Montreal store. There are so many examples of that. It's kind of a way of getting people's attention, uh, providing something that, you know, appears to be scarce. So people will say, oh, my goodness, I must get that because there aren't many of them. You can't buy them anywhere else. Uh, it's actually quite a common strategy. And it's, 
I think, a really smart strategy because it's, you know, getting people talking. People are saying, oh, my goodness, you know, I have to go buy that. It's got us talking right now. So yeah. uh, definitely, I think, a smart strategy on their part. And who knows, maybe some Americans will come up here with our low dollar and, uh, and shop some of the collection as well if, if it's convenient for them in terms of getting over the border and back. They, they can go back home wearing Aeropostale uh, maple leaf infused uh, sweatshirts or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> I wonder how they'll look. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, so look, we're, we're talking about a company, an American company that is, I guess, kind of making a reentry into the Canadian markets, opening new stores in 2020. But look, we also found out last week that Lowe's is shuttering almost 40 stores across Canada. Most of them are going to be under the Rona's banner. What's been going wrong with Lowe's since it acquired Rona back in 2016? Is, is it a case of maybe an American company not quite understanding the intricacies of this Canadian market? Oh, I think it's a few things. I mean, a lot of competition. You know, Home Depot is certainly a strong retailer. Um, one thing I noticed, they provided a list of the store locations that were going to be closing, for Lowe's, that is. Um, quite a few of them were actually former Target locations, which at oh. one time were Zeller stores. Uh Location may have actually had something to do with it. it. It looks like, you know, Lowe's may have not had, you know, as good of real estate as they needed in terms of, uh, uh, you know, being able to serve the consumer. So, yeah, and again, also, you know, the competition out there, uh, you know, they bought Rona as a chain. And, you know, in some cases, some of the stores were, were challenged. So a lot of the stores that will be closing are in Quebec. Uh, but, of course, there'll be some in British Columbia and other provinces as well. Um, also, you know, it's a challenging time out there. I mean, there's, there's less money. People are, are spending money on other things. Um, you know, again, competition, it, it remains to be seen. But I, I think there's even more to the story than people realize. I know that uh, uh, they said that, you know, Sylvain Proudhon had retired. I mean, I'm not sure if that's totally accurate. Uh, I'd heard that there was a, a lot of issues internally with the company and that, uh, you know, a lot of people were let go and that, uh, you know, the press was told certain things. But I think there's a lot more to it. Uh, I, the company could pull out of Canada. That, that's how bad it is up here. Well, I guess maybe for the next retailer, uh, do a little bit of history on, on the retail locations. If we've had Zellers and then Target and now Lowe's, they all blew through these in the last few years. Maybe, I don't know, just not the right locations then. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I think those retail spaces could serve, you know, some certain concepts. I'm just not sure what that would be. Uh, uh, I mean, it's not that they're cursed, but it, Interesting. That's some feedback I'd gotten from someone that was internally with the company that uh, they said, well, look at these locations, look what they used to be. <laughs> so I thought that was uh, rather interesting that, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, a lot of retail fails in those locations that were once uh, Zeller stores. Yeah, but not I mean, all stores. well, are, are, I'm curious. So and I know it's a wide range of stores, so it might be hard to make like a sweeping generalization. But um, are these generally in, in large malls? Or are they generally in kind of more the, the strip malls? I'm, I'm just wondering about kind of the prospects of getting new tenants into what are you know, quite a bit of square footage into these places. Absolutely. And there's always options to deal with that. But these wouldn't be in your, you know, Pacific Center type of shopping malls. There never was obviously a seller's in there. But you know what I mean? It's not going to yeah. be those A malls. It's going to be those strip malls, those, you know, shopping centers, which, you know, aren't the big metro towns. You know, it's sort of secondary real estate. So uh, it's a good question. What will they do with it? I mean, there are a lot of other concepts coming, uh, you know, into the market that landlords are able to uh, work with, you know, that could be fitness centers, um, some, you know, divide the space, create some full-sized uh, restaurants. There are all kinds of options that, uh, you know, landlords are getting creative with right now. And, and they're having to do that because a lot of 
space is coming online. Uh, you know, Sears left Canada. You know, Sears went bankrupt. Sears Canada. Uh, you know, Target had a disastrous uh, exit from Canada. Uh, a lot of uh, space has come up, and uh, it's being filled by retailers, like for example, with Indigo. But now Indigo, you know, the question of that retailer, unfortunately, is is, is up for debate now. You know, it, it's lost a lot of money, and uh, they're they're desperately, you know, needing sales from. Black Friday. They're definitely not going to be closed on Black Friday. That's for sure. They need any money they can get at this point. Okay. Well, yeah, just name drops um, Metropolis at Metrotown or, or just Metrotown uh, just a few moments ago. Uh, speaking of Burnaby Malls, uh, Brentwood Town Center is getting a new tenant. Uh, fill me in on the details with this new retailer that's going to be moving in there. Yeah, Sporting Life. I think it's actually open now. Um, I, I've only seen a few photos and it's really interesting that, you know, it's coming to the Vancouver market. I think there's going to be room for a few of them. Think a sport check uh, getting married to Holt Renfrew. <laughs> it's a, a you know, beautiful store, uh, high-end product. It, it, it's sports-themed, I guess you would say. And it's opened as one of the anchors to the amazing Brentwood, which is, uh, you know, going to be quite a shopping center when it's completed. So, you know, I, I think it's a great addition to the market. I mean, you know, the Vancouver market does have people who shop and spend a lot of money. Um, sporting life, you know, can be very expensive in terms of some of the products that uh, it offers in the store. So it's very much a premium experience. It's kind of the opposite of, you know, Decathlon, which will also be coming into the Vancouver market uh, possibly as early as 2020, um, which is kind of the IKEA of um, sporting goods. So, you know, sporting life will have, you know, high-end snowboards and, you know, your Canada Goose jackets and, uh, you know, macage. Sometimes they'll have items from Fendi. You know, it's... Uh, a very premium experience, and it, it's part of the change. You know, changes to the amazing Brentwood, which is trying to position itself as, as a rather a high-end shopping center. Well, I'm curious, what, what do you make of kind of that location as well? Because there's easy access to transit with a SkyTrain right there. We also know there's going to be a lot more residential towers already being built at this point. Is this kind of a prime location right now for a big mall? Um, I would say yes and no. I mean, overall, I think that the project is going to be beautiful. And uh, I do think that quite a few people will be shopping there. But there is a lot of competition. I mean, Land, Shape uh, Properties is the developer, and they partnered with L. Catterton, which is a, an investment arm of uh, LVMH. And part of what they're looking at doing is creating a luxury component. And, um, you know, it'll be competing against both downtown Vancouver, which is where all the luxury brands currently are for the most part, as well as the Oak Ridge Shopping Center. So, you know, Oak Ridge is really trying to uh, attract luxury brands. And then looking more at mass market retailers, again, you know, Metropolis at Metrotown is a very, very strong shopping center. I know this from the Retail Council of Canada Shopping Center study. Um, you've got other centers that are upgrading, like, you know, Coquitlam Center, um, you know, Lowheed Center, is, uh, which is the same landlord, but, you know, is uh, going to be, you know, a completely different center at some point. And there are other regional centers from Park Royal, uh, you know, Richmond Center. I mean, those are further out and may not be part of that same catchment, but there's still a lot of competition in terms of shopping centers. So, you know, the amazing Brentwood uh, will definitely have to find its place, uh, you know, in the market, given the competition that's there. And, you know, still given the strength of downtown Vancouver, I don't think that that's going to wane uh, too much in the near future. Uh, you brought up Oak Ridge. I was just there the other week, and it was just kind of, uh, I don't want to call it like a, a strange experience, but I remember back in the day, you go to Oak Ridge and there might be like a dollar store or something like that. There's none of those kinds of stores anymore. It's very, very much upscale. I remember everybody was like piling into the Lego store when I went past as well. So it's just uh, one of those malls that's kind of had a bit of a facelift in the last few years. Yes, and uh, I'm not sure if you noticed, but Tiffany, the uh, jewelry store, which is just acquired by LVMH, <laughs> funny enough, 
uh, big big news of the day. Uh, you know, they, Tiffany has moved into a new location at Oak Ridge, and that's going to be part of the new luxury wing that uh, the landlord is in the process of finding tenants for. So, uh, you know, at some point, Oak Ridge will be a place that very wealthy people will go to shop at, and uh, they'll have an entire wing. And it's going to be an incredible development when it's finished. I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, it's going to be not like unlike anything we've seen in Canada so far. Well, good luck to Tyler if I'm trying to get in to, uh, to uh, shop at these expensive brands. Won't have much luck uh, on my end here. But, uh, Craig, I want to thank you for joining okay. us on the show today. Right, thank you for having me. That's Craig Patterson, editor-in-chief at RetailInsider.com and the host of Retail Insider's brand-new podcast. And that is it for our show today. We'll be back tomorrow. But in the meantime, you can tell your friends all about us and get them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. For now, I'm Tyler Orton. Thanks for listening.